0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am Nate Schreiber, and as always, with my co-host, Alex Pollinger. All right, we've got a bit of a special episode for you guys today. It
1: is kind of a mailbag questions we got from listeners, and they wanted us to break down the division overall. Uh, we know the Bills are the favorite in this division right now, and Vegas, that's, that's not our opinion. Vegas thinks so, too. They have the Bills favored in, I think, 10 or 11 games, and I believe the Patriots are second at eight or nine games. So they see the Bills as a pretty clear favorite. And I guess we can just go through each team in the division, Nate, and talk about why the Bills are the favorite.
0: Yeah, this is the first time in a while, probably since, I mean, first time in 20 plus years because Tom Brady is finally gone from the division. I think Tom Brady being there, even if he was there again this year, would make the Patriots the automatic favorite. But the Bills have, I think, by far the best roster in the entire division and I don't think it's all that close either. The Bills
1: have depth throughout this roster. Last year, we talked about how there's going to be good players cut from this roster that would sign with other teams. This year, it's going to be even more so. There's going to be guys that are probably going to be starters or key special teams or reserve guys for other teams that just aren't good enough to make this roster because of how deep it is. When you look around the rest of the division, maybe the Patriots, they still have an overall Pretty talented roster. It has depth, and they're well coached. So I think they're probably deserving of being the second best team in the division on paper, just because you have Bill Belichick as your coach, and there's still a decent core group of guys there. And you know, I I just don't see a Bill Belichick team being awful. I see them being somewhere between that seven and ten win range, depending how lucky they are, what kind of quarterback play they get, and you know, I think they're just going to try to drag a lot of teams down in the mud and make it an ugly defensive and special teams game. And that's basically what they did last year. So I think depending how those one-score games go, you could see New England sneak into the playoffs, maybe even win the division still, depending on what the Bills do. But I think they're clearly deserving of being the second-best team in the division on paper.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Any, any team coached by Bill Belichick is going to be competitive. This is uh, going to be a big test for... Belichick in general, because this is the first time he hasn't had Brady in a really, really long time. And for all the the people who are saying that either Brady is the reason Belichick is such a good, seen as such a good coach or vice versa, Brady would never have been as good without Belichick. It's going to, this this season will at least give you something to look at. But I, I think the best way to, to look at that relationship is that neither one of them would be, would have been great without the other one. But Belichick is great in his own right. And that's the Patriots are going to be competitive. Uh, Looking at the Jets and the Dolphins, the Dolphins spent a ton of money in free agency. A ridiculous amount of money. So they they're going to be better than they were last year for sure. And the Jets are have a terrible head coach, one of the worst in the entire NFL. I think that just holds them back significantly. And then add on to that, that they lost their best offensive player outside of the quarterback and Robbie Anderson that's I they might be the worst team in the division this year
1: yeah and it's unfortunate for Sam Darnold because I still think he can be an average to above average starting quarterback in the NFL but like you said they have the worst head coach in the NFL and sorry to any Jets fans that hear this and disagree but I mean just look at his resume of what he just kind of ruins teams wherever he goes and Gays is just kind of abrasive and not the guy you want. He was running the organization at one point, and I believe now he's not. There's no coherent strategy in New York. What What is their overarching strategy? It seems like they're where the bills were for the better part of the last 20 years of just trying to kind of piece things together and hope you end up in the middle of the pack. And that's how you end up never being good, <laughs> by not being bad enough and just kind of floating somewhere in the middle. and that's kind of no man's land in the NFL. It rewards bad teams with better picks and the jets are going to continue to be somewhere probably in that five to eight win range because last year they went out, they spent a ton of money on guys like CJ Mosley. That's great. He's a great player. The rest of their roster is terrible. They have no depth and they have enough talent where they can stay in games. They went six and two over the last eight games last year, but their schedule was also extremely easy. And I, I don't know. I just don't see an Adam Gase-led team vying for this division at all, especially when you look at the talent on the Bills and that Bill Belichick is just clearly a superior coach to Adam Gase.
0: Yeah, and the Jets also didn't really do anything in free agency. And I think a, a large part of that has to do with Adam Gase. Like, I, I just don't think a lot of guys want to play for Adam Gase. Like, you look at what they added in free agency – is there any name on that list that makes you go, oh wow, that's a great, that's a great signing? I, I really, I, I don't think so. Like they, signing, they signed George, George Fant, George Fant, sorry, and Connor Mcgovern for like 60 million combined, and that's starter money for both of those guys, and you're trusting a like a swing tackle who's never been a full-time starter Fant, to be a full-time starter, and they paid him starter money. Great. I mean, I don't. They have to overpay to get guys to play for them, and they also they re-signed Brian Poole which was and Jordan Jenkins, which were both pretty good re-signs. But otherwise, they didn't really they didn't really add a ton of talent from outside the organization. And then they lost Ryan Khalil and Robbie Anderson.
1: It's hard to see how this is a team that scares anyone next year. And as you pointed out, Nate, they kind of just spent money for the sake of spending money. Do either of those two guys make your offensive line that much better in terms of paying them like $10 million a year or whatever it was? No, I don't think any, there's any reasonable argument that that makes your team that much better. I mean, you could probably go find a guy in the mid rounds of the draft that's just as good as them, or at least has the potential to be just as good, if not better than them. And there's just no coherent strategy out of there. It kind of looks like when Bina McDermott took over in Buffalo, John Brown, sounded like he had the choice between Buffalo and Baltimore that year. He chose Baltimore because they had, you know, a coherent strategy, and the Bills hadn't really started to assemble it yet. He became a free agent the next year. The Bills had a young quarterback and clearly a GM that had some sort of plan, and he was really successful in his first season, and that's why he signed the long-term deal in Buffalo, because he knew they had a strategy. There is no strategy in New York other than let's spend some money and hope we can get some guys here and maybe win five to eight games exactly
0: I mean, and the dolphins probably overpaid for most of the guys that they signed but they signed at least guys that are good football players and they they have some idea looking at their free agent acquisitions of what they want to do going forward they didn't sign anyone that was super old or, or out of their prime they didn't pay any ridiculous amount of guarantees to any of the guys they signed I The 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 biggest one was byron jones i think they paid him like 55 million dollars guaranteed something like that but he's a, a, a 20 he's a corner in his prime who's a, a really really good player and that's essentially a, a three year deal and then the Shaq Lawson and Van Noy deals are essentially two year deals and they have three first round picks so they even though they probably overpaid for a lot of guys they had so much money to spend that they could they, they were safe to do so
1: Yeah, I, I don't necessarily love what the dolphins have done but like you said, they have some sort of strategy. They have a ton of draft assets. They're going to try to build the roster through the draft and you know, kind of try to tread water with some of these good veteran players they signed. Now, that being said, do they have a long-term strategy? That I don't know. Like you said, those are two- and three-year deals. They have a tie sets. You have to hit on those picks. Otherwise, you're just back in the same boat three years from now. So it really, their strategy pretty much almost entirely depends on how well they draft and given this organization's track record i'm not sure i trust that
0: yeah i mean really with with that with the dolphins and sort of with the patriots but a little bit a little bit less so it the long-term strategy depends on finding a quarterback like i think that's the that's really what the whole thing banks on you got to find the quarterback that fits what you're trying to do because the, the patriots think they might have one uh, i would say in Jarrett um the dolphins I don't think that they have, they they even think they have their, their future quarterback.
1: And we're recording this before the draft. So they, they might have a guy they take in the top five or somewhere in the first round. That is the guy to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, who by the way, might be the second best quarterback in the division right now. And I don't know if it's all that close because we just don't know what Sam Darnold is because you can't evaluate him with, his terrible weapons, his terrible line, and his terrible head coach. So unfortunately for <laughs> Sam Darnold, I think he's going to kind of be in the Josh Rosen area where you just don't know because he's never had anything around him.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's really going to, Sam Darnold is a, a really talented quarterback in a really difficult situation. And that. He's not. He obviously didn't get in as bad of a situation as Josh as Josh Rosen did, where Rosen never ever Rosen never had a chance to do to really do anything. He never really had a fair shot. Which that happens in this league. Maybe he'll get a fair shot at some point in his career. Who knows? But I think that kind of brings us into our other our, our next question here, which is uh, looking at all the quarterbacks across the league and kind of ranking the the quarterbacks as of this coming season.
1: Joe in Boston sent us an email here asking about, he he ranks them in tiers, which I think is a good exercise to look at quarterbacks. And Nate and I often talking about what is like that Mendoza line for quarterbacks, whether you pay them or not. And if you look at it in tiers, I think there's clearly probably like 12 to 16 guys that are worth paying, you know, 30, mil, 25, $30 million a year for. And then if they're kind of iffy on that range, it's just, it's not worth it to me. So I and mean, Patrick Mahomes is clearly in a tier of his own at the top. He's the best yeah, quarterback it, in the league. And even though Lamar Jackson was the MVP last year, I mean, we have to be honest that Patrick Mahomes is just probably the best guy we've ever seen play the position.
0: Yeah. and In terms of his just talent and ability to play quarterback, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best ever. In terms of his accomplishments, he's not not even close yet. And who knows if he'll ever get to that point. but and just in terms of talent, and then if if we're looking at value based on their contracts, he just is miles above anyone else in the league. But regardless of how much money the guy's getting paid, he's the best quarterback in the in the league, and it's not really all that close.
1: One hundred percent. And then Joe has Lamar Jackson ranked number two. And it's difficult to argue with that based on last season. And Joe says he's not sold on Lamar Jackson yet. And neither am I, because we've never seen this type of player in the modern NFL. I mean, Michael Vick is probably the closest comparison, but I think Lamar Jackson is a little bit better as a passer. But we don't know how Lamar Jackson ages. We don't know how teams are able to scheme against him after seeing it for a year now. And I, I could be wrong. He could be up there in the Mahomes tier he's able to continue what he did last year. But the bottom line is, I'm just not sold on, okay, the Ravens are down 10 points in a playoff game. Can he go throw the ball and lead them back into the game? I don't know yet.
0: I I just don't think he's ever going to be able to do what Mahomes does. Mahomes, in the playoffs, just... He got behind 24 nothing against the Texans at home. And... Just and they won by like three touchdowns. I, I I do not think Lamar Jackson would is capable of doing something like that. Not necessarily because he's not good enough. Just the offense that he plays in and the way the Ravens play, they're just not. If when they get behind, they struggle. And you saw we saw that in the playoffs. And I I just don't think he's going. He's ever going to be at Mahomes level there. Maybe maybe we're wrong. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's the MVP. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I would. I would take Russell Wilson over Lamar Jackson as of right now.
1: Yeah. Russell Wilson, to me, is the clear number two. And he's done it for you know close to 10 seasons now, where he just elevates the play of that offense so much. His offensive coordinator, he works against him sometimes, it seems like, trying to run the ball so much when you have one of the best passers in the game. And he, Wilson's never really had a decent offensive line. And he finds a way to just win games and i know they won a lot more than you'd expect them to based on you know how many close games they played you could say they got lucky but i think when you have a guy like that it's not quite as much luck as he's just really good at winning football games when it comes down to it
0: yeah i mean russell wilson is he he is Seattle the seattle seahawks the yes when they won the super when they won the super bowl it wasn't all him. They had a a ridiculously good defense and some some better pieces on offense. But the last few years, there has been he has carried that team on his back. There is they have not been great, really at any position group for an entire season, and they've still been a playoff or championship contender pretty much every single year.
1: Yeah, so we'll move along now. I see a tier from like three to five. Of guys that are really, really good, worth huge money, and can absolutely take you to a Super Bowl and win it. They probably need a little bit more help, especially with two of them at this stage of their career. But I see a tier here of Rodgers, Watson, Breeze for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think in some to pass some some order i don't really know where what order i would take them in as of right now i mean two of those guys have really good situations with their coaching staff and one of those guys has a coach that tries to lose so it's very difficult to to really appreciate deshaun watson because his coach legitimately tries to lose and tries to make the team worse like i don't see any other explanation for what bill o'brien does and if if the the texans are win the division or even make the playoffs again given what bill o'brien's under the roster i so it's going to be all Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw what he did to the Bills in that playoff game in the second half in Houston. He, he's just that good. And I mean, obviously, there's a long track record of Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees being two of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. And they're still playing at a really high level. They're not quite what they were at their you know peak, but they're still very, very good. Um, Nate, what would you put next? Joe has Carson Wentz at seven. I, I'm just not sold on Wentz. I'm not sure that's a guy you pay a ton of money to.
0: I, I for me, at at seven right now, it's between Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. I, I think I would I would go Prescott then Cousins, but it's it's very close to me. Kirk Cousins was absolutely unbelievable the second half of last year. Uh, it was maybe the best football he's ever played, and he hasn't been consistent with that throughout his career, but he, it, he, he was really, really good last year. And I think Dak Prescott was really, really good as well. He had, a, again, Dak Prescott's situation was kind of hampered by his, his coach and his, his offensive or his really his head coach, his offense coordinator, I think did a pretty good job I'm telling Moore. but he's another guy who's n- not in the greatest situation there. Uh, and especially now that they have to pay him some ridiculous amount of money. I'd, Prob- in terms of value, I might honestly go with Cousins. Yeah, this is starting to get into the tier where, yeah, you can pay
1: this guy a lot of money, but you better have a good roster around him because this isn't. Where this is the tier for me where it's not this guy makes our team a Super Bowl contender every year, but this guy can definitely win you a Super Bowl if you have the talent around him. And I think Cousins and Prescott fall into that. I mean, there's. I, I don't know. It just gets tough after, like Joe said, after that first six or seven guys, it's largely a tier of, okay, you can pay them, but you better have some plan around them. It's not like Rogers or Breeze where they're just going to make you a Super Bowl contender for 20 years that I just don't see that with any of these guys. And it starts blurring. And I think that's where it gets difficult, but definitely you pay Prescott and Cousins. How much is value there? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. Uh, another guy who I think, Joe, I don't know if he, he he, did make a note that he's not including Roethlisberger, Stafford, or Foles. Um, I think Stafford falls in the same tier. Stafford is really, really good and does not get a lot of credit because he plays on a, on a horrible, horrible football team.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Stafford, I see a tier here of – guys with a consistent track record of being pretty good and just never playing on good to great teams. And that's why we don't know if they can win a Super Bowl, but they're probably worth paying. So I see a tier there of 7, eight, 9. And I think Lamar Jackson probably belongs in this tier of, yeah, he might be able to win a Super Bowl, but we're not sure. It depends what's around them. But there's definitely, this is the tier of they're good. There's a track record of good. We don't know how great they can be because their organizations have been somewhat incompetent.
0: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I I don't really think Josh Allen fits in there right now. I know Joe had him, uh Joe has him here at at eight, but I really don't think Josh Allen falls into that tier. I think he's probably in like the next tier after that.
1: Yeah. This is the tier of you can win a Super Bowl with this quarterback. You have to have a great team. And that doesn't mean that Josh Allen can't take that leap up a tier or two tiers into the elite tier that we've listed, but as of right now, we just don't know enough. But Allen's definitely a guy, I think at this point, that you can consider paying. You, you have to see a bit of a leap in year three to make it worth paying him 25 or $30 million a year. But I, I think this is a tier, correct me, if, or let me know if you disagree, Nate. Matt Ryan, that's kind of, they're not the same quarterback, but Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers before his decline, we're kind of in this area, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think I, I think Tannehill kind of goes in there too. Tannehill had a really good season now, and it happened when he's almost 30 years or, or 30 years old, which you just don't see very often. Uh, I think that Brady probably at this point in his career falls into that tier. Five years ago, I would say definitely not. He's one of the best three, four, five guys in the league, and then Garoppolo is. I'm not super high on Garoppolo. I never really have been, but I think he probably falls into this tier of you can win with him. You just can't ask him to do everything. Yeah,
1: this is, I'll disagree here. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is any good. And he put up decent numbers last year. And I think that was largely a product of coaching. You saw what happened when the game was on the line in the Super Bowl, and you had to rely on him to win you the game. And he just completely shit the bed. And, I think that's more of a reflection of this guy cannot go out and win you a game. He, he's a game manager. And I think this is where you get below that Mendoza line of do you pay them or not? And I see him in that same tier as Derek Carr, Jared Goff, guys that got paid a lot of money and those organizations probably regret it now. And, you know, the 49ers were rumored to be in the running for Tom Brady. So I think if that's true, they, that tells you all they think about Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Yeah, Garoppolo got got way overpaid, and uh, he—I mean, Goff's kind of in the same the same boat. Got way overpaid. Just doesn't belong. I think I think Garoppolo's closer to Jameis Winston than he is to like the the Matt Ryan Josh Allen group.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. And Ben Roethlisberger, I'm sorry to Steelers fans, he's hasn't been good for a while now. I know he missed most of last season, but the year before, did they set a record for pass attempts? I'm pretty sure. So he just put up monster numbers based on volume. He hasn't been any good in a while, I think. And any good's probably a bit harsh, but it's not a guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl unless you have an absolute like stellar cast around him, which he did a few years ago, and they didn't do a whole lot with it. So I think Roethlisberger's washed. Um, Kyler Murray's a guy that I don't know where he fits in this list yet. I have to see this year because he could be decent and he could just be another guy. And we don't really know yet.
0: I think Kyler Murray fits uh, in the, we like the Josh Allen, uh, the Josh Allen group. Honestly, Kyler Murray is, is, is pretty damn good. Uh, I, I think he at least legitimized for the Cardinals moving on from Josh Rosen. Like he, he was that, he was that good uh And if you didn't, if you just look at a stat line, you, you probably think, "Eh, he had an okay year." But if I I got to watch a few Cardinals games, and he did something in every game that was like just wow. That just he made a ridiculous throw, some ridiculous play with his legs, and he didn't turn the ball over a ton. And he it, it was better than Josh Allen's rookie year in terms of making in terms of decision making. And I think he has a, a chance to be really, really great.
1: I, I do want to go back to Tom Brady. He's when you look at the numbers like yards per attempt and stuff, he's had a pretty precipitous decline for three or four years now in the regular season. I know they won a Super Bowl or two in there, but I, I don't think Brady really belongs in that, you know, ten or nine to 12 tier, wherever we were, of guys you pay and can make a difference and win a Super Bowl if they have a good team around them. I think Br- Brady two or three years ago, yes, now. I know Patriots fans are going to say his team was awful last year. His receivers dropped everything. Tom Brady wasn't good last year, even considering that. He he just wasn't good. Watch it. I mean, he's 43 years old. We've never seen a successful quarterback that old. And I just don't understand why Tampa paid $30 million a year for a guy that's well past his prime. And you have no idea what he looks like outside of a Bill Belichick system.
0: I think they paid him because look at what they look at that roster. Look at what they have. They have basically everything that you need to compete except for a quarterback. And Tom Brady's proven, like, even last year, which was his worst year statistically in in quite some time. Probably, I don't even know the last time. Maybe like it had to have been the the mid early 2000s, statistically, and probably just in general, Tom Brady's worst year. And he's still twenty-four touchdowns, eight interceptions, like seven yards per attempt. Only turned he didn't he does like he he does he did he did enough for the Patriots to win the division. And with a roster that really wasn't as good as what the Buccaneers are going to have this season. And I still think Tom Brady's capable of winning a Super Bowl. Uh and I, I think He has a better chance of making a deep run with the roster he's going to play with this year than he had in New England the past couple of years. I I still think, yes, he's a lot worse than he used to be. No, he's not one of the elite, elite guys anymore, but he can still play.
1: Yeah, the one thing that concerns me is Tampa's offensive line is pretty terrible, and they paid some bad players a lot of money there. I don't think that their tackles are any good, and the interior of their line is okay, but I don't know how Tom Brady is going to do behind that. And you have Evans and Godwin who are more downfield type of guys. Is he going to have time to get the ball to them? I don't know. And I, I just don't know how that's going to work out because Tom Brady has never been able to avoid pressure and he definitely can at 43 years old.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you we saw Jameis Winston. Part of the reason Jameis Winston struggled, yes, he just makes some really horrible decisions, but he also is... Running for his life some a lot of the time, and if that isn't f- fixed to an extent, Tom Brady's going to have uh, a, a pretty hard time. Winston got sacked like fifty times last year. And I don't I don't know how many of those were necessarily his fault. I didn't watch enough of the the Buccaneers games, but that's a that's a lot of sacks for a quarterback to take. And he still managed to throw for like five thousand yards, thirty three touchdowns, had some ridiculous yards per completion, like fifteen yards or something like that. And that just if Brady, can even, if Brady can throw for like two-thirds of the yards Winston did, two-thirds of the touchdowns, he won't turn the ball over 30 or 40 times. However many, so that if he does that, the t- Buccaneers win that division easily.
1: Can be okay by either not throwing bad interceptions and fumbling or by not taking bad sacks. And Jameis Winston does both. So I think that's what happened there. It, he does run himself into a lot of sacks, even though that line is terrible. But you can see guys be decent quarterbacks by just not doing one of those two things, turning the ball over or taking bad sacks. And we saw Josh Allen stop turning the ball over last year. And look what happened. He was pretty damn good. So I think that also is kind of fits in with the tiers of when you get into that beyond that elite tier, can they just not kill you? And unfortunately, some of those guys do when the game is on the line. But it's a tough exercise to figure out who you pay, who you don't. And that goes back to Nate and I's last podcast on Josh Allen. We're going to
0: find out this year if he's the guy you pay or not. Yeah, that's year three. That's when you generally find out. And that kind of brings me to one last quarterback. I want to to touch on a little bit more, and that's Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Yes, he had a just absolutely insane second half of the season in playoffs uh, this past year. He... Was arguably the best quarterback in the league for a pretty significant amount of time. At the end of the year, when Lamar Jackson fell off a little bit, and he didn't really fall off, he just didn't have to do as many ridiculous things as he was doing earlier in the year. And he, like, you can't really argue with like ten yards, ten adjusted yards per attempt, and he threw for like twenty-two touchdowns. He he carried that team to a playoff and and went on a pretty deep playoff run. Yes, Derek Henry was a, a big part of that, but if you have eight, 8.5 adjusted net yards per attempt, that's a pretty good season. It's, one, it's an elite season. But you don't see quarterbacks suddenly get really good when they're 31 years old. So it's most likely that that was an outlier-type season, and he's not going to do that again. Yeah, I agree. And
1: they leaned on the running game really heavily, but they did it the smart way, Nate, where they threw early to get ahead, and then they run to kind of just shorten the game. And we'll see. What does it look like if the Titans are trailing. Can Ryan Tannehill lead them back consistently and be a great quarterback? Given his track record? Probably not. I don't think he's that guy. I mean, three quarters of a season isn't a large sample size compared to what we watched his entire career. But as we've pointed out throughout this podcast, situation matters. And we may never know what a guy like Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen could be because they were ruined by bad situations. We don't know if Darnold has been ruined yet, but certainly going down that road with Adam Gase. So the bottom line here is don't overpay guys that don't win games for you and uh, make sure you have a good situation for a young quarterback.
0: Yeah, I I think that's the, the, the biggest mistake the NFL teams make is they pay quarterbacks that are not elite. That that are in that like second tier, we really I mean, count Mahomes is not even if we don't count Mahomes tier as a tier in that third kind of tier, guys get paid and they should, and that's where NFL teams really hurt themselves. It's it's so much better to just find another quarterback, keep going till you find a Mahomes, of Russell Wilson, a Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson, and just keep drafting guys, and hopefully the Bills are smart enough to make the uh, the right decision on Josh Allen after this. Well, you don't have to make it the final decision after the season, but you should know after this.
1: Exactly. And if you don't know by then, then you don't have one. That, that's the bottom line. I've said that repeatedly is if you still have to ask the question after three years, three years of playing time, is this the guy, that, then you don't have one. And that's the bottom line. So hopefully we get a clear answer to that and the Bills are able to plan around it either way. So Nate, anything else you want to add before we wrap here?
0: I think I think we kind of covered it all. Uh, and we hit on a lot of the Josh Allen that we've hit on, uh, many many times, and I th- I think it's good to talk about kind of where we see him compared to the league because that that does matter. And I think putting the quarterbacks in tiers is probably the best way to talk about them instead of ranking them like one through thirty-two because you can't really do that. So I, I like the the tier discussion, and I think this. The young group of quarterbacks in the NFL is going to – it's, it's going to be fun to watch for a very long time.
1: Sure. So that will bring us to an end of this episode of the Bills Breakdown Podcast. I am your co-host, Alex Pallinger. And I am Nate Schreiber. Subscribe, download, give us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show. Do us a favor and share it with one friend this week so we can continue growing the audience through the off season here. You can follow us on Twitter at Bills underscore breakdown. Send us any questions, comments, feedback to Bills Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.